This is Sustainable-ish with me, Jen Gale, and it is great to have you here. Listen in each week and I hope I can brighten up your day and leave you feeling inspired and excited about the magnificent human being that you are and the power that you have to create a better world. You won't find any expectations of eco-warrior perfection here. There's no obligatory tree hugging. You won't be judged if you drive a car, wear leather shoes or eat the odd pack of Haribo every now and then. I'll be sharing my own gems of wisdom for sustainable-ish living and I also relentlessly scour the internet for people doing amazing things to tackle the big environmental issues that we're facing and I hound them until they agree to come on and inspire us all with their fabulousness and the positive change that they're making. So sit back, listen in and get ready to change the world one baby step at a time. Welcome to episode 35 of Sustainable-ish. I hope all is well in your world. In today's episode, I'm chatting to Celia Poole, one of the co-founders of Dame, a sustainable self-care brand on a mission to turn our bathrooms green. Did you know that globally we throw away about 100 billion sanitary products every year, which is enough to circle the globe 250 times. And plastic tampon applicators are a big part of the problem, being used for just seconds, but taking hundreds of years to degrade. And even cardboard applicators are often lined with plastic. Here in the UK, we throw away 13 billion applicators every single year. And in a recent UK beach clean, nine tampon applicators were found washed up on beaches for every kilometre of shoreline. Now, there are loads of great reusable menstrual products out there like cups and washable pads. But what Celia and Alex realised was that one of the reasons that more women weren't making the switch was that it's too big a habit change to switch away from a product like tampons that's probably working pretty well for them. Hence, their first product in their mission to make our bathrooms green is the world's first reusable tampon applicator, along with organic cotton tampons. It's a brilliant story, I hope you'll agree, and Dame are a company who really are pulling out all the stops to do things right. From actively seeking out female engineers and specialists to help them develop the product, through to designing the product so it can be used with any size tampon of any brand, and reusing existing packaging to send out their products. In fact, on their website, they describe themselves as a consumer goods company that believes in less consumption. And we dive into that oxymoron in the podcast. Whether you're already a dedicated cup or reusable pads type, or in fact, you don't even have periods at all, this podcast still has something for you. It is a brilliant example of a brand on a mission, and it's hugely inspiring to see how creating and selling stuff can actually be good for people and planet when it's done right. Enjoy. Hi, Celia. Welcome to Sustainable-ish. Hi, thank you for having me. I'm really, really excited to talk to you and to talk about uh, Dame, but can you start off by introducing yourself and what it is that you guys do? Sure. Um, I am a co-founder of Dame and we have just launched the world's first reusable tampon applicator to stop the billions of plastic menstrual products that are thrown away every year. And we've launched these alongside our Dame organic cotton tampons, which are synthetic free and biodegradable. Brilliant. And you said to me just now before we started recording that you're sort of 
big mission, if you like, is to turn the bathroom green, which I absolutely love. Yeah, uh, basically, we we've started with tampons, but we want to go further. And we've sort of seen that the bathroom is a space where people have very low recycling rates compared mm-hmm. to the kitchen. And actually, yeah. recycling should be a last resort, not a first. Yeah, definitely. So we really want to go in there and rethink, redesign these products and bring them into a more circular system. So how did you guys get started then? Because I read on your website that you actually started with a um, a subscription box for period products, which isn't, an, <laughs> I say isn't a normal thing for anyone to do, but isn't maybe a first um, business that you might think of. No, completely. It's quite, quite a sort of strange thing to end up doing. So we basically... Um, we sort of fell into it because we saw that there was a gap in the market at the time where there needed to be more convenience and more choice around menstrual products. And Mm -hmm. so we wanted to start a subscription service where women could have access to the full range. So both reusable and disposable products. Yeah. And so we were selling other people's brands. And I think what became increasingly apparent to us was the massive plastic waste that was coming from these products. And we just sort of stopped believing in what we were selling. And, one of the things which really hit us was the fact that we could see that in other areas of women's lives, they were using more and more reusable products. So we're talking about water bottles or coffee cups or bags. But in this area of their life, even though there were products available to them, like cups and cloth pads, yeah. hardly any women were taking these up. And yeah. we just thought, this is insane. You know, why is this? Because these are good products, you know. And and why aren't more people turning to them? And we went and did a bit of research and the kind of big answer that came back repetitively was the fact that the habit change was too much. Women love the idea of having a more sustainable period, but they just couldn't push themselves to yeah. change from using something they were comfortable using to something that was completely unknown. And so we thought, okay, well, we're a small company. We can make a change. Why don't we take a, com- a product that they're already comfortable using, the tampon, and let's redesign it. It's just amazing. And I, and I completely agree with you that it does feel like, or it can feel like, I think, a big step. I talk a lot about baby steps and everybody um, sort of working out what works for them and things. And I think that this is exactly right. It's it's either a stepping stone for people or, or if it might be where people decide to stop and it's what suits them. But it's having the options out there to, to be able to take those first steps. It's really important. Exactly. And I think the key thing is choice. I mean, yeah. you know, every single vagina is different and has different needs and women have different needs. And we just felt that there was a big gap where women weren't being serviced. And yeah. so we wanted to come and stand alongside the other reusable products, which we think are brilliant and give women another option. Yeah, definitely. And did you consider other ideas before you sort of settled on, on the reusable tampon applicator? I think it was where the, uh, the tampon was where we saw a big space. We could mm-hmm. see that people were doing things around period pants, um, the cup, uh, cloth pads and we yeah. just felt there was a big empty space where the tampon was already making quite big headway yeah and so we thought that was the sort of the most logical place to start yeah and so you said right at the beginning about some of the plastic associated with tampons and obviously I guess the main thing we think about is the plastic applicators and things like that but have you got there's some really shocking stats out there can you share any of those with us about the amount of plastic associated with menstrual products yeah I mean for example uh sanitary pads I think there's the equivalent of four shopping bags in a sanitary pad that's made I mean the 
in an actual sort of normal standard tampon, there's not only plastic, obviously, in the applicator, but there's actually plastic that runs through the, the tampon itself. Right. Tampons are made from synthetic substances which contain bleach or rayon or fragrances. Wow. Pesticides. And I think this was what was the most insane thing is, you know, your vagina is one of the most absorbent parts of your body. And yeah. women and not thinking about what they're putting in there. Whereas you think about everything you put in your mouth, you wouldn't mm. pick something up off the floor. Or you wouldn't put something that you had absolutely no idea what the makeup was in your mouth, but we're yeah. doing this every single time we're using tampons and not thinking about it. Yeah. And that's one of the things that I love that you've decided not just to focus on the plastic, but it's a much more holistic approach. And so the tampons that, that you supply as well are made out of organic cotton and are chemical free and all those things as well. And it feels like such a thoughtful approach to it. I think we wanted to be able to offer a complete solution, but yeah. at the same time, we really realized that we didn't want to um, sh uh, cut off the applicator so we made sure and it was a conscious decision that all sizes of non-applicator tampons whether it's our brand or another brand can find right. because if you're someone who can't or doesn't want to use our brand of tampons that doesn't shouldn't exclude you yeah. from having a plastic free tampon applicator so it was really important to us to be able to offer that solution and was that quite a challenge to have one product that fits multiple different brands and multiple different sizes of tampon? Yeah, because obviously, you know, it's so much easier to make things that fit to certain sizes yeah. and perfectly for them. And we just thought, oh, even though this would make our business so much easier and we would probably <laughs> attract more customers, no, we can't do it. We have to take the difficult road. We have to, we have to sort of set ourselves a challenge and hope we can communicate that to the customer and, and hope that we can um, succeed in getting the right product to them. Yeah. And my mind is kind of blown thinking, how do you even go about that? And I end up asking this question almost every time to people in that lots of us, like I'm a really good one for having lots of amazing ideas and very, very, very few of them ever see the light of day. And how do you go from having this idea for a reusable tampon applicator to actually, you know, that sounds quite technical to, to make that, to find the right material, to test it out all those different things I've got no idea how you would even start doing that did you have any idea when you began no absolutely <laughs> not I'm I think the key thing like anything in life is baby steps look mm. at your feet not straight not up the mountain yeah and you know you set yourself little tasks so it's like right today I'm gonna you know go and see if I can speak to someone uh, who does design tomorrow mm -hmm. I'm gonna dig into it a bit more you know you just do little baby steps you keep setting yourself little goals and you don't see the vast mountain that you've got to climb. Yes. And I think that's how we did it. And like most people do, you just go and speak to a lot of, a lot of experts, right. a lot of brilliant people in their field. And I think that's the wonderful thing is that there are so many people willing to talk and share their experience with you. And, and I think that's a big part of our it? journey. Did people get it straight away when you went to talk to them about it? No, not at all. Oh, really? <laughs> no, most people... So what are you talking about? We, we, we really, but we did make a conscious decision at the beginning that we wanted women to be involved in every step of the process. Yeah, because, I saw that. It's brilliant. Well, because we just thought this, we can't have something that's majority used by women that's mm -hmm. not built by women and designed yeah. by women. And so that was really important to us. And it was only one place where we came into trouble, which was when we actually got to our um, medical engineers and the sort of one 
women that was on their team was on maternity leave. And we were like, well, why don't you have more women on your team? And, and actually that's resulted in them doing a bigger campaign to hire more female engineers and really sort of push that recruitment process up. Wow. But yeah, it was really, it was really important to us because we wanted, you know, we wanted this to, to be very much by women for women. Yeah. And there's some stats, I think, on your website, aren't there, about the percentages of women in, involved in things like engineering and things like that. And, and for, for that reason, almost you very deliberately, as you said, and because it's a product for women, you very deliberately employed women in part of the project. Exactly. Well, I mean, it was critical because otherwise, you know, it's very difficult for, it's very difficult to, for guys, understandably, to kind of get the early stage of a very, very intangible design yeah. and, and put it through into production. You know, later on down the line, when you've actually got a physical product, you can show people that's different. But at the very early stages, you really need people who understand the problem. Yeah, definitely. So how long did it take from initial idea through to, because you had a crowdfunder campaign, didn't you? How long did it take to to get it ready, I guess, for up to a point where you could crowdfund it? So the crowdfunding part, I think, was about a year, and it's been about two years in total from us what, until we sort of fully launched, which yeah. was the beginning of this year. So, yeah, it took about a year to get it to a kind of prototype stage where we were really happy. We tested it. Um, and then we essentially sort of shut our eyes and put it out to the crowd and, you know, kind of thought, okay, we know we believe in it. Let's just see if anyone else does as well. Oh, I think I love crowdfunding, but I can imagine it is the most nerve wracking thing because what if it's just crickets? You know, you've put all this time and effort and money into something and what if it's just like tumbleweed moment? It's absolutely terrifying. And especially when you find out that the stats, because we use Kickstarter, that the sort of typical Kickstarter viewer is a white guy in their 20s who lives in San Francisco. And we thought, right, that's not our target market. Yeah. but yeah, it, we were blown away by it. I mean, we we ended up trending on Twitter on sort of day three of our campaign. Wow. And that day we fully funded. We overfunded by, I think, about 300%. It was totally nuts. And we were sort of featured globally in publications around the world, like sort of top 100 publications. And that was amazing for us. And it just showed us that actually this, it wasn't just us feeling this way. It was not only other people, but around the world other people yeah. were really really supporting and backing what we were doing so how much did you raise in total then on kickstarter so on kickstarter we raised around just over fifty thousand pounds and wow. then we went on to continue to crowdfund it on indiegogo and i think in total we raised just under one hundred and twenty thousand pounds. oh my god amazing yeah we're crazy and when you say it like that you said oh we trended on twitter on day three and things when people talk about things going viral like that it it sounds almost like it was a happy accident. I'm guessing it wasn't. I'm guessing there was an awful lot of hard work and strategy and sort of um, putting it under the right noses and all that kind of thing. I'd say there was a lot of hard work. I don't know how much strategy. (laughs) I don't think you can ever strategize for something like the Twitter thing. The Twitter thing was amazing. I was sitting um, at a friend's house on Friday night and we were about to get supper and suddenly someone looked at their phone they were like I think something's happening on Twitter and then you know next five hours we were just glued to our phone and watching everything just going completely nuts and that kind of thing you can't predict you can't yeah you don't really have any control you can try and do the best you can and 
and speak to as many people about it and, you know, present it in the best way. But I mean, you know, I will be honest with, we were very lucky. We, we happened to coincide around the same time that David Attenborough had released Blue Planet 2. Oh, and so wow. the world's spotlight was very much on yeah. this issue. And so we were really fortunate that there was a lot of um, take up from the journalists who were looking for stories like this. Yeah. Brilliant. And have you got any tips then? I know that there might be people listening who've got products that everybody, I think when you speak to them about crowdfunding, has an idea for something they'd love to crowdfund. And you say it wasn't hugely strategic, but I guess in hindsight, what would be your tips for people if they did want to crowdfund for something? I think, first of all, first of all, for the product, like make sure that your product is servicing a pain point, mm-hmm. like a genuine pain point. Don't come up with a solution to a problem that doesn't exist. Yeah. And and also make sure that you have a genuine audience for it who are willing to either pay money or back it or support it or whatever yeah. it is. And then for crowdfunding, you know, you've got two different types of crowdfunding. You've got a rewards-based one, which we did, and mm-hmm. you've got an equity-based one. Rewards, obviously, I've got more experience in, and that's definitely really good for new world-first products yeah. and physical products which you can give to people and they can be the first to buy and first mm. to support. And that's where Kickstarter does really well. And also for environmentally aware products. Yeah. Um, but, you know, you only have to just go on there and look and see the ones that are successful to see sort of that there is a kind of common theme that runs through them. Yeah. And how much of a following did you have when you launched the crowdfunder? Because I think that's one of the difficulties, isn't it? Is it a bit of a chicken and an egg thing? You need a crowd to be able to crowdfund from, but the crowdfunder itself helps to generate that crowd. Oh yeah, massively. They say basically that in the first, I think it's 48 hours, you should have tried to have raised about 20% of your target. Yeah. And if you've done that, then you're on a good path. So we were obviously like, to all our friends and family and yes. dads and everything, we were like, okay, in the first hour, you've just got to buy, 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 buy. Yes, so yeah. we, had, we were really lucky that we had like friends and family and everyone supporting it in that first bit. But then even so, I think on the first day, we got an amazing article by Fast Company, which is a US um, online publication, mm-hmm. they, uh, suddenly we were finding it wasn't just friends and family, it was random people from around yeah. the world. But that I think completely shocked us. But yeah, having, making sure you've got a good core group of supporters who can help you through that first bit, because it definitely is that busy restaurant analogy. That yes, no people, one wants to go into an empty restaurant. Yeah, exactly. So you've just got to make sure that it's looking quite busy at the beginning. Yeah. So back to the actual applicator, Sounds might sound like a ridiculous question. How does it actually work? There's a lot of ick factor, I think, still about um, periods. And and I think that's one of the big hurdles for reusable products is that kind of ick factor and having to, to deal with it, isn't it? So how does it work? How do you clean it? What happens if you're out and about and you need to change? Totally. Well, I think the beauty of it is that it's a very, very simple intuitive design. Mm-hmm. It's very similar to a normal tampon applicator. And we wanted to make ensure that so that people could already pick it up. I think one of my greatest moments was seeing my three-year-old son literally pick it up and use it the right way the first time. And I was like, boom, if he can do that. <laughs> not literally use it, but you know. <laughs> yeah, not literally use it. No, he's using it as the gun. Yes, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so that was one thing. And then I think the other really important thing to us, because we knew that hygiene was going to be a big mm. question mark for people. So we went and we did a lot of research with our medical engineers and anti-microbiologists. And, you know, one of the things they kept saying to us, so they were like, you know, this is actually a very low tech device. You know, you, you don't need to kind of 
um, concern yourself too much about it, but we thought we still want to ensure that we're kind of creating a very hygienic solution. So mm -hmm. we also included um, antimicrobial properties within the applicator, which they're called sanipolymers, and essentially they do something called biomimicry. So they use natural substances like zinc to self-clean the applicator the whole time. So the applicator is cleaning itself even when you're just storing it away. Okay. And it's a very, very simple solution. It's basically you use the applicator, you rinse it in cold water, and you store it in the little um, cotton pouch that we provide with it. And then yep. that's it. And it's, it's literally as simple as that. So in between periods, you don't need to like Milton it or anything like that. You don't. No, not at all. I mean, that's one of the sort of beauty and the curse about um, sort of these types of materials is that, you know, they, they will last forever in a brilliant condition, but only if you treat them in the right way. Right. And that means not exposing it to harsh chemicals, high temperatures, light degradation. Right. Um, so if you, if you treat it in the right sensitive way, which is essentially a very easy, simple yeah. rinsing way, then, you know, you will, you will have a very, very long lasting solution. Yeah. The temptation is to think that you will, you need to do more with it. Like you need to boil it or you need to, to do something with it, but actually less is more. Exactly. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, and I said at the beginning that you had this sort of holistic approach and this, that it wasn't just the plastic, it was the the organic cotton and the chemicals and things but you've also it's really clear on your website that you've thought about every single aspect right from packaging through to creating a product that is going to last and then actually thinking about what to do at the end of life of that product yeah I think when we started out doing it we, we were sort of all or nothing we thought mm. we can't do this in one area and not do it in everything so yeah. for every part of it we tried to reduce and reuse so for example, the applicator right now comes in a tin. And the reason for that is we didn't want packaging that you just throw away. We wanted mm -hmm. a tin where you can store your tampons right. in your bathroom. And it, the tin looks beautiful, so you're happy to have it out on your shelf. Yeah. For the boxes that we send the applicator out and for post, you know, all of those are old boxes that have yeah. already been used before. And it was important to us because we're like, you know, we live in the age of Amazon deliveries where, mm -hmm. you know, your bin just stacks up with all these cardboard boxes. You don't need another new box. Yeah. You know, there are plenty of boxes going around that need a second life. Yeah. And it was really important for us to do this. And it's, it, it means that we make life quite difficult for ourselves yeah. and, and a bit more costly for ourselves. But, you know, I think once you get into this area, you of you know you have to stick to your guns and yeah believe in yeah and it it is almost opening a can of worms isn't it and you you can't just pay lip service to it you can't just do one thing like you said and then not do the others it needs to run through the whole exactly band. i'm not saying that we're completely perfect there are definitely things within our processes that we need to improve and yeah. change and we're constantly aware of it and working towards it but i think to try and do as much as you can at that time is really yeah. important and then constantly think of ways which you can improve and change. Yeah. So how long should the applicator last? So we're hoping it's a product for life mm. and, and that it should be around with you forever. And we're making a promise to our customers that, you know, if something happens to your applicator in that time, that's, you know, not through sort of willful neglect or anything, mm -hmm. but you know, something happens, we'll replace it for free and we'll take that old applicator off you and we'll get, will put it back into the ecosystem. 
um, because we have the ability to do that. And it's really important because we don't want to be asking our customers to have to replace the thing yeah. every two years, years, whatever it is. Um, likewise, it was the same reason why we didn't want to do multiple sizes. So if you're a regular yeah. tampon user and a super tampon user, you have to use two different applicators. It was yeah, really sometimes you might have heavy flow at the beginning and light at the end. And exactly. No one has just sort of one, one system fits all. Yeah. So again, we wanted to, to, to really kind of offer that. But at the same time, again, from a business perspective, that just means you are kind of shooting yourselves in the foot. Because I think everyone in like business school 101, it's like, yeah. don't create a product that people only buy once and never yeah. come back again. Yeah. Um, but it was important to us that we did. Yeah, because I, I interviewed Tara Button from Buy Me Once and the whole concept of, of her website, if you've come across it, is that everything on there is created for durability to last. The idea is, you know, it's like the Le Creuset of everything she talks about. So you only buy something once. And and as you say, as as a business model, the the I think certainly since the since the Second World War, it's been designed things for disposability and that's how that's your revenue stream is that people keep coming back and buying more and more so I guess as a business model it's based on more and more people using that one product or how does that work as a business model yeah it's, it's based on trying to I mean our goal is to try and get people to move on to reusables as much mm. as possible and that doesn't necessarily need to be our reusables yeah it can be anything, but it's to try and increase it you know we're there are you know, n- nearly sort of 3 billion women in the world. Yes. So we've, we've, there's a lot of... Quite a lot, a lot of applications to sell. <laughs> yeah, there's a, lot, there's a lot of market out there. Yeah. And, and I think we feel strong enough in our conviction that we don't need to be selling something that breaks yeah. in a few months because we've designed it that way. You know, yeah. sometimes yeah, it yeah, yeah. does break, get in touch with us, but it's not because we've designed it that way. We're designing to build for life. Mm. And there's a line on your website where um, you talk about being a consumer goods company that believes in less consumption. And that feels like a bit of an oxymoron. How, how does that work? Yeah, it's a total oxymoron. <laughs> and again, I'm really happy that like none of our investors have actually seen it. <laughs> I, hope they don't, I hope they didn't read the fine print too much because I'll be like, wait, hold on. That's not what we sign up for. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, essentially we believe in it because we feel, you know, there are other companies out there doing it, you know, people like Patagonia who are just sort of like, you know, tape up our jackets. If they start coming out, you know, send them back to us, we'll fix them. Mm -hmm. You know, it is, it is possible. And it's, it's important that businesses out there are helping the consumers because it feels sometimes like other brands are increasingly designing things to break quicker. Yeah. And that's just depressing. And so there does need to be, an input from businesses who are who are doing the opposite. Yeah, and completely unsustainable as well. Um, obviously, in terms of planetary resources and things, and it's very countercultural, almost, isn't it? And because we are brought up almost within in today's society to consume and to consume more, and actually having companies like you, like Patagonia, making a stand and saying this is what we make. It's amazing quality, but actually what I want you to do is buy less. Yeah, it's totally nuts. And I'm, I'm a child of the eighties. So yes. I'm like, I'm key consumer. Yes. Um, and there's an emptiness and a hollowness to it that you just, you know, you wake up and you're just like, no, actually I, I can't do this anymore. It's yeah. too much. I, I sort of have to 
stop it. But, you know, it's difficult because we're put into a world where this consumption is such a massive part of it that it's, yeah. you know, especially sort of, I live in London, you know, everywhere you look, it's designed to just sell you stuff the whole time. Yes. Um, but, you know, increasingly there are brands who are coming in who are helping people change those habits. And, and I think the important thing is, is to make that habit change really small, really easy. Mm. Yeah. So it's not tough for the consumer to do it. Yeah. And hopefully, you know, that will bring through new generations. So essentially we will, it will start to be less and less difficult. I mean, one thing that we always say sort of in the office is that we we like to LLG, which is basically live like granny. Um, <laughs> yeah. Because gra- granny had it right. Granny yeah. would save everything, reuse everything. And something happened in two generations and it yes. all went hurt. But, you know, there are so many lessons that we can take from that generation and that mentality that are really easy to implement. And somehow we got lost along the way and we just need to unpick our mistakes. And when you reflect on that and you think, well, that was too, because it feels like it's too big a boat to turn around sometimes. It feels like this is just a sort of juggernaut and we're powerless to stop it. But actually, as you say, it's only two generations time that it has gone from the frugality of the sort of World War II make, do and mend era through to where we are now. And there's technically no reason, I guess, why we can't unpick that, as you said, to to get back to a, a stage whereby we have the convenience, I guess, of, of some of the things about modern life, but with, without the waste. Exactly. And I think we have to realize sometimes, you know, there are sometimes things that you can't help and you have to do. And sometimes you think, actually, do I need to be disposing mm. everything the, the whole time? It, you know, if maybe I should make a very small bit of effort. Yeah. And maybe take my cutlery with me rather than just constantly use plastic cutlery, you know, yeah. and it's a very small effort, but actually it's making a massive difference. And yeah. I think but all of this has to happen in like the three different strands and that's consumer, that's business and that's government policy because all those three people, well, those three entities need to be speaking to each other and helping because one is not going to do it on their own. It's got to be everyone. Yeah, absolutely. And on that note, how hopeful or otherwise do you feel with all the really sort of feels like quite recent um, publicity and sort of noise that's being made about climate change. Do you feel like we're on the cusp of the change or do you feel like there's a lot of noise but no action? How are you feeling about it? I hope we are. I think it's really exciting to see the kind of, it sounds really patronizing, the youth of today, (laughs) only because I feel so old. It's really exciting to see that generation coming through and saying, no, we don't we don't want this. This is our world and we're growing up in it and we don't want it. And I think that's amazing and really needs to be encouraged and supported. Mm. Um, I think it's really easy to feel despondent and feel that the world's going to hell in a handcart, but then you have to realize that actually, if you look at it factually and in context, the world in places is actually getting better. There's still bad stuff happening, but the world is getting better. And the fact that we are aware of this problem and there are people trying to fight it on all different levels is really important. Yeah. Um, so I think it's kind of, don't give up, basically. Yeah. Don't give up and hope. And also don't think that what you can do doesn't affect a change. Absolutely. And I, I think it can be really easy, as you said, to feel despondent and to feel 
insignificant as as one person in the actions that you can do but as individuals we can influence those other we can influence businesses and we can influence government as well um so you know by supporting businesses like yours that that we love and that have values that align with ours that's one action you know that's that's a sort of double win almost isn't it because you're getting the reusable product for yourself but you're also that that quote about casting a vote for the kind of world that you want when you spend your money and I think we must also not forget the power we have to put pressure on our politicians and to let them know that this is an issue that we really really care about. Totally and and also the you know the more the more everyone sort of bands together and the more the consumers support the businesses, support the businesses you know the businesses then suddenly get a platform to go and speak yeah. to the government as well mm. and the government then listens because they've got two different sides beating down on them and you know essentially they are there by the will of the people so everyone has to move together in order to make this change and I think it is really heartening that there does seem to be so much more of a focus on it now but at the same time you know we don't really have time to lose so we really need to start moving. Yeah and on that responsible business note I guess you're a certified B Corp some listeners might not have heard that term before can you just explain what that means sure biz um corp is a certification which is all about business being used as a force for good and it's sort of moving away from that whole corporate social responsibility sort of greenwashing Mm -hmm. and it's a really rigorous assessment that goes in and looks at a company's impact for both their social impact the way they treat their employees the way they make their products um the way they consume energy, everything. And it's really pushing these companies to be the best that they can can for the consumer and the planet. And it was when we discovered it, it was amazing because it basically spoke everything that we were thinking. Yeah. And so we really wanted to be a part of it. It's seriously tough to be I was going to say, it's a really rigorous process, isn't it? It's a really rigorous process because they do come in and look at every aspect of your business which is important because, you know, you have to be doing what you say you're doing. Yeah. Um, but it's amazing. And it, I think it needs a lot greater recognition in this mm. country because, you know, most people don't actually know what it is. And when they do, they can think, actually, well, I can start supporting these businesses who are part of this movement, yeah. you know, through the energy provider that I use, through the products that I buy, through the services that I use. Um and, you know, it's been amazing. We launched in Waitrose a couple of months ago and Waitrose have been fantastic because they've created this B Corp aisle mm. on their website where you can go and see these brands and support these brands. And again, sort of, you know, vote with your wallet and say, right, I only want to buy products which I, I know they're actually purposely trying to do good. Yeah. Um, and it's amazing. But yes, it needs a lot more recognition in this country. Yeah, it's quite big in the US, I think, isn't it? But it's still sort of filtering its way in over exactly. here. Yeah. Now, I saw that you've got a goal of being carbon neutral within the next year. Does that feel like it's a goal that's still going to happen? Yeah, it does. It's something we're really pushing hard to um, to do. It's, it's everything sort of around um, the way our products are made, our packaging, trying to bring as much resources as we can to be localized. Already we make our applicator in the UK, so that's amazing. But trying I was going to ask you where it was made. Brilliant. Yeah, UK made. And, you know, that was really important to us. And, and then also supporting, you know, incredible missions around the world which are trying to reduce energy, trying mm. to 
um, reduce the carbon footprint that's going out. And it's, you know, again, it's very important to us that what we're doing, because again, you know, we're a consumer product company, so we're making stuff, we are consuming energy that, um, that we can constantly improve and refine our process to reduce mm-hmm. our impact. Yeah. And, and I guess that's more than simply just switching your energy supplier or getting a couple of solar panels on the roof or something. It, it, it's, it sounds like quite an involved process. It is. It's a really involved process. And we're really lucky that we've got some brilliant people on it and looking into it. It's, um, again, it's making life difficult for ourselves. It <laughs> seems to be the kind of order of the day, yeah. <laughs> what we're doing. Um, and I think that's, but I think that's really important that, I guess any aspect of, this is going to sound really wrong, but living sustainably sometimes or trying to live more sustainably does feel sometimes like it's making life harder for yourself. But I think we've become so used to everything being so easy and so convenient and uh, so instant and so disposable that actually we, we need to reprioritize a little bit. Completely. And like anyone knows, the best stuff is the tough stuff. Yeah. That's, that's, like, <laughs> that's the best stuff. If you're given everything in life and if you're given all the kind of nice cool clothes and all the nice this you know it doesn't feel valuable you know yeah. it's stuff that you work for and you try for and you really put yourself out there for and when you get it that's the stuff which feels amazing so you know it's 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 sometimes good to follow the tough path yeah. it's horrible at the time yeah. but <laughs> it might work out well keep telling ourselves that yeah and exactly. <laughs> um, what are the raw materials for the applicator So the applicator is um, made of metaprene, which is a medical grade material. Um, And it's also made of polypropylene. And uh, all of this was sort of very important in the process. We wanted to make sure that we were using the right materials for the product Mm -hmm. and all the way through from beginning of life to end of life so that we know, you know, how we can dispose of these products in a conscious way as well. Um, So... Yeah, it's a very incredible, the, the metaprene is a very incredible material because, like I said, it's medical grade. So it's it's been sort of tested to the nth degree to be suitable to be, you yeah. know, for a body. And so what does happen at sort of end of life of the product, as you say, if any of them um, break or get returned or whatever? What is there a, you said they get incorporated back into the ecosystem, but can they be sort of broken down and, and literally recycled into new applicators? So yes, so essentially that's what we're working with our suppliers in order to get um, a, a system going that we can do that. Brilliant. Um, now this is a question that I've I haven't asked before, but that I want to start introducing into the um, into the series is who do you think would be a great interviewee to come on Sustainableish? Oh wow, I think um, there are so many cool people doing cool yeah. things. Like right now, actually, I'm sitting, having my phone propped up on an odd box, um, which for anyone who doesn't know, it's a company who take uh, fruit, which would otherwise be rejected and, you know, create, which is delivered to your office, to your home. Um, so it's all the kind of wonky fruit that no one wants. Yeah. Um, they're brilliant. Another bra- um, brand, which we love, um, is someone called Skipping Rock Slabs, who are trying to be the sort of sustainable Tetra Pak. Oh, wow. Um, and so creating packaging out of seaweed, uh, which can either be consumed or composted. Um, they're absolutely amazing. Um, another one is uh, Rubies in the Rubble. Yes. They take, uh, again, unwanted fruit, veg, 
and turn it into amazing chutneys um, and mayonnaises. So yeah, there's loads of people doing yeah. really cool stuff out there. And it's so lovely to see things happen and try out their products. Yeah, and to be able to support each other as well. And, and um, as you say, it'd be interesting to see how much of your of our daily purchases and things could be made from sustainable and ethical companies. And I think that's getting easier and easier all the time. Exactly. And it's amazing because, you know, to see the big supermarkets trying to to bring these into the mainstream yeah. as well. I mean, um, to, to get that deal with Waitrose, that must have felt like a big, a big moment, was it? That was totally nuts. That was after our um, Kickstarter campaign. And, you know, we thought, you know, maybe one day we might yes. go into a supermarket. And then suddenly, suddenly we had all the supermarkets knocking on our door wow. and saying, hey, tell us about this. We've seen this here. We've seen this there. And Waitrose, you know, they're just very aligned with our yeah. views and values. And they really like to take a chance on small brands. Um, and we thought they'd be a brilliant first partner. And, yeah, it's been amazing to be with them. So uh, the applicators in Waitrose is nationwide or are they just in selected stores at the moment? No, Waitrose nationwide and wow. online. I'm going to pop down to Waitrose and see if I can find <laughs> Take a little pick. Um, so what's next? You said that the, the mission we talked about at the beginning was to, to turn the bathroom green. Have you got plans in the pipeline for, for what's next? Yeah, so we're actually currently sort of in the midst of designing our new products for that, which sadly I can't talk about. Oh. <laughs> but, but, but yeah, essentially it's, it's going into the bathroom and it's looking at all the waste and the plastic waste that's there and thinking actually no, you know, we can make a change to this and do some kind of circular solution. Yeah. Um, that, that actually works and that is desirable, aspirational and um, that people can seamlessly fit into their lives so yeah it's really exciting but again you know making life difficult for yourself yes. it would have been so easy just to put another product out which is a different color or a different yes product. yeah 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 and um, you're totally right though in the, the the bathroom I think everybody focuses on the kitchen first off and then I just remember going into my bathroom and looking around and it was like well that's single use that's single use that's single use and just the sheer number of plastic bottles that were in the bathroom and just thinking like Whoa. And I know the the sort of zero waste guru solution is soap for everything, but actually, you know, we found for, that for our family that just didn't work. And um, so it's trying to find these plastic free-ish solutions that will that will work and will be a step in the right direction as well, I think. Yeah. And I think, again, that's important. It's choice. It's realising that, it, yes, there are, there are already solutions out there which are really gone full tilt mm. into the sustainable thing. But again, not enough people are, are using them. So yeah. we need to be thinking about other ways that we can position ourselves so that people can easily move away from this reusable, um, and no, sorry, this disposable yeah. uh, nature. And that's our next target because, yeah, I mean, it's something ridiculous. I can think sort of 90% recycle rate in the kitchen, 50% in the bathroom. Really? And, and again, recycling should be the last resort, not the first. Yes. Um, so... So yeah, it's it's a big a big goal and a big mission, especially for a small company who's trying to kind of launch um, their first products. But again, it's just something I think we feel that we need to do, and I think we feel we there's an urgency to do it as well, yes. which is why we want to get moving. Yeah, amazing. So where can we find you online if people want to follow you on social media or they want to come and buy some products? So for social media, um, our handle is Dame for Good. So Dame F O R 
good. Brilliant. And uh, for our products, we are wearedame.co. And you can come and check us out, get in touch, ask any questions. We literally love chatting tampons. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how many people like chatting tampons with us, but we love chatting tampons to people. So yeah, so always like really happy to answer questions. Brilliant. And actually that's one of the things um, I meant to ask in the interview was that, that taboo about periods and things. And that's one of the things you're really passionate about breaking down, isn't it? And with the, the hashtag that you've got as well. Yeah, I, our hashtag is um, bleed red, think green, which has been very Marmite. <laughs> we've, had, <laughs> we've had some people who've been loving it and some people who've been like, how can you talk about blood? And it's like, yeah. well, because it's, it's part of our product. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We, we kind of have to. Um, yeah, it was one of the reasons actually why I got into the whole business in the first place, because I found that whole cultural taboo and I had been a party to it, you know, just so we're not right. And I had a daughter and I just thought this is insane. You can't, you can't keep teaching new generations to think this way. Mm. Um, and it's amazing to still see so many women who find, who don't really engage with that side of their body that much, yeah. who are intelligent, you know, and outgoing, but, but still sort of leave that in a bit of a corner of darkness. Yeah. Um, so it was really important for us to kind of try and just put some normal language around the subject and, you know, make it something that women just feel happy and comfortable to talk about if they want to. Yes. Yeah. 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 Um, oh, it's been absolutely amazing. I'm so inspired. And I said to you in an email, like I looked, was looking over your website to prep for this and it just made me smile everything I was reading I was like yes yes <laughs> it's just um I really love how you've you've got those values and you really as you say even when it makes life harder for for you you're you're, you're sticking with them and that that's really important and that really does shine through and I think it's hugely inspirational Oh, well, thank you so much. Yeah, I think it's sort of dogged stubbornness, but <laughs> <laughs> hopefully it will get us somewhere. But thank you. Yeah, it's, um, it's been such a pleasure talking to you. And, and it's so great to have, you know, podcasts like these where you really are sort of pushing out these messages and, and really kind of getting them out to people, which is so important. Oh, well, I love it. And I hope, um, I, I love doing these interviews and just being able to chat with people and to basically be a bit nosy as well. <laughs> Yeah, he doesn't love a nose around. Exactly. <laughs> You've been listening to Sustainable-ish, you wonderful sack of loveliness, with me, Jen Gale. Hopefully we've fired some neurons and we've got the old grey matter thinking about what changes you can make in your life this week to live that little bit more sustainably. Do let me know what that is. I love to hear about the changes that people are making, big or small. Every single one counts. If you've enjoyed the show, and I hope you have, do hop over to iTunes to leave a comment or a review, and then the bots at iTunes will cotton on to just how awesome it is, and it will show up in more people's feeds. Or at least I think that's how it works. Thanks so much for listening. I will catch you next time.